Welcome back to The Right Angle. Mo and the G-Man are here. And before we introduce our special guest, G-Man, I have to tell you that the other day I was riding home, actually driving home from work, and I was getting bored of the podcasts I was listening to. So I found one of our old right angles from many months ago, and I have to tell you it was every bit as enjoyable and entertaining as anything else I've listened to. So just wanted to pat ourselves on the back. Before we get started, part two, we had a comment from our loyal listener, Lisa in Texas, who listened to, I think, the PETA show. And we'll just say she had some less than flattering things to say about PETA, and deservedly so. Having said that, I will leave it to the G-Man to introduce our special guest. All right. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Joe, uh, doing some business dealings a couple of years ago, and found out that Joe did a class on uh, concealed weapons. And I had always been interested in, uh, you know, taking a class and just kind of seeing what it was all about. So I asked him if, uh, you know, I could uh, join one of his classes. He said, absolutely. And I signed up for his class. And actually, my daughter and I both took the class. And we both thoroughly enjoyed it to no end. An excellent presentation on how to handle firearms and, you know, how to work them and what to do with them when you have them and so on and so forth. I, I recommend everyone uh, taking a class like that before they actually buy a firearm. But before we get into that part, I just want to ask Joe, uh, what got you started in law enforcement? Uh, G-Man Mo, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah, I, I, I got started in, in law enforcement a little over a decade ago. And uh, as far as when we crossed past G-Man, um, one of our fundamental beliefs was that we, we kind of thought that regardless if you were in the military or you were a first responder um, or a private citizen that we, you know, one of our fundamental beliefs was that everybody should have, you know, the, the ability to protect themselves and then the, the, the training and the skills to go along with that stuff. So that was kind of one of our fundamental beliefs uh, over about a decade ago uh, after starting in this uh uh, that career that we thought, hey, why why is this stuff just for the military guys, or why is it just for the cops or first responders? Why why doesn't everybody have access to some of this information? So, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, you're 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 going to be there by yourself should something bad happen. You or one of you, you're going to be there with your loved one, and we want to make sure that everybody has the ability to to keep themselves and their loved ones safe. How do you get trained to train people? Um, great question. Um, you know, you, we get exposed to a lot of different types of instructor development training, uh, a lot of courses that it's, it's, uh, irrelevant what the topic is that you're teaching. It's, you know, um, and like I said, you haven't seen some of our, our work, you know, it's how, how to, how to present, you know, how to carry a room, how to, how to set stuff up in a professional manner, things of that nature. So, uh, just exposure through different courses of that taken taken away from a lot of different people over the last you know five to ten years uh, about how to put that type of a product together and then be able to push that out. In terms of the class itself, how long is it? How many days? How many hours per days? And kind of give us a rundown. 
Yeah, so it's it's dependent upon where you live, to be honest with you. If we're talking, uh, where G-Man talked about, you know, the, the concealed weapons class or CCW class, it depends on what neck of the woods you're in. So some states, it's uh, just a few hours. Some, some it's a little bit more than that. Uh, some states have it where there's no, you don't need a class at all. Uh, so when we crossed past the G-Man, the, the place... Uh, neck of the woods that that we were uh, working in at that time um you did need to go through a specific class so it's state by state um it's it's all pretty dependent on where you're at and like i said then you got those handful of places out there where you don't need uh, uh any type of class or training whatsoever they have you know they have that what's called constitutional carry um and things like that are you qualified to teach in just a single state or if you had certificates in training and education could you teach in multiple states? How does that work? Yeah, some of the certifications our, our crew has, it, it allows them to teach just about anywhere. Uh, we tell people we try to stay away from the, uh, the East Coast, the West Coast, and the Chicago Coast once you're outside of that neck of the woods. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> where we're at down here, or, you know, anywhere in the plains, stuff like that, that uh, we're, we're, all, our, all our team can, can pretty much teach anywhere. This may be an obvious question, but do you stay away from those three coasts, as you put it, because you will get a less than hospitable reception? Is there not as much business there or? Not at all. In fact, it's the complete opposite, to be honest with you. When we when we do that East Coast, West Coast, Chicago Coast, uh, there, people are craving for it. Uh, but what the reality for a lot of those areas is they just they're not afforded those liberties. Uh, so at the end of the day, it's a, it's a business decision, right? Where are we going to get the most bang for our buck type of thing? Um, and if we, we're more likely to run, run a, a weekend seminar or, or, or something like that in a place where we know uh, we're going to get the most bang for our buck because people can carry a firearm and all that kind of stuff. So if that makes sense. What, what if you were in, say, you were based in Wyoming, how does, you, you must have a website or something that you have your uh, concealed weapon thing on. Do, do people contact you from say Nevada or uh, Washington state and you wait till you get enough people and then you go there to, to teach the class? Uh, so there, there's a couple ways. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, today's day and age, uh, you know, a professional organization, you got a website, you have all your social media, things like that. Um, the biggest uh, uh, ally that we have is, is finding people across the country with similar interests. Uh, maybe it's a gun range, maybe it's a, a firearm shop, something like that, where they can help host something, facilitate something, spread that word of mouth. Um, and you know, and then obviously there's there's ways that we work that in to make it beneficial for them. We're gonna, uh, if people are you know are familiar with us and stuff like that, they know that hey, we're gonna bring we're gonna bring a bunch of people to your your store or a bunch of people to your range. Um, and if we're in you know, Nevada or we're in Tennessee or something like that and doing a class and, you know, we're going to bring in people that might not normally come to your place and that's good for your, your, your business and things of that nature. So do you have any idea what percentage of people that own handguns have taken a class similar to the ones that you teach? Any idea at all about that? Not, not off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Uh, um, I, I, I don't know that. I would say that a lot of time, I'll give you a perfect scenario, is a, a, a majority, because we do a, a ton of private lessons, and the majority of the private lessons we do is someone calls us up, because uh, they've checked, they've seen us on social media, they've you know seen a YouTube video of our guys running a class or something like that, 
and they reach out to us and say, hey, you know what, I, I, uh, during the pandemic or during, uh, you know, when the sky was falling type thing, I ran out and I, I bought a gun at the local uh, gun shop or sporting goods store and it's still in the box and I've never touched it. And that was, you know, four years ago or five years ago. We get that call, I don't want to say daily, but a couple times a week probably. Um, so you'd be surprised out there how many people have went out on a whim uh, because they are worried about whatever is going on in, in the world. Uh, and they went out, purchased that firearm uh, and, and then never got any training on it whatsoever. So The people who take your class, some of them have already purchased one, some of them maybe have not. And just, I mean, do they, do you think any people take it wondering if this is really for me or is pretty much everyone committed? I've either got a gun or I know I'm going to get one, but I want to take this step first. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it's a pretty good mixture of both just because of the range of courses, because we have some very advanced courses too. Uh, we have some, some courses that we host where We've got to see your pedigree. We've got to see your certificates from other courses that you've been through or if you've had oh. to have trained with us for like a long time or something. You're just not going to walk into one of our – you can't just walk into our range and come to one of our advanced classes off the street. That's not going to happen because we're going to vet okay. you. Because, uh, well, I mean, you got to be safe. you got to be safe for you. you got to be safe for the other students. you got to be safe for our, our instructors and things like that. So we're not going to let just anybody walking off the street with uh, go to one of our advanced classes. So – um, but, but like I said, I think, um, you know, a lot of, we do have introductory type stuff and I think that's where people feel it out a little bit, you know, is this something in all of our teams really good about, Hey, if you don't think that you have it in you and you haven't had those conversations with yourself ahead of time to say, should I have to use this tool? Cause at the end of the day, it's all this, it's a tool, right? Just like a screwdriver or, you know, a crowbar or whatever it is. It's just a tool. Um, d despite what pe monikers people want to put onto it, uh, you know, you, we have, you have to have that conversation with yourself. If you were to have to use this tool to protect yourself, protect your loved one, protect someone else who doesn't have the ability to, pr to protect themselves, could you do that? And if you can't answer yes to that, then you have no, no, no being, you know, ha having that tool, right? Um, because because uh, we, we don't want to see someone be negligent. We don't want to see it as someone uh, gets it taken away from them, God forbid, uh, or, or things like that. And it doesn't do you any good. If you need a paperweight, go out and buy a paperweight. You know, it'll, it's, it'll, it'll be a lot cheaper for you, right? So um, yeah. that, that's, that's, a, that's an honest conversation that we have in every single one of our classes. Now, if we have an advanced course, we know people have already had that conversation with themselves, right? Um, it's more on the introductory level or, or things like that where uh, or a concealed carry class, you know, we have that conversation with them to make sure, okay, can you use this tool? Because uh, again, and, and what we hate to see is for somebody to go through the process and, and come through a class and, and get their concealed carry permit and, and then never, never uh, like finish the process or, or they go and they get their license and then they never carry their firearm. So, and do you get those, like if, I don't know how big your classes are, but would it be unusual to have one person per class who says, well, now that I really think it through, I'm not really up for this, or is that a rare occasion? Um, it, it's kind of few and far between. Um, it's hard, it, like I said, it's not something that we have metrics on. And, and again, mm -hmm. uh, the, the size of our classes are only limited by the size of the facilities that, that we're, we're training at. So at the facility, if we can, I mean, we've been, we've been at facilities with three ranges and we run three, you know, we, you know, we, we can run three ranges at the same time because we have enough staff to facilitate all that safely. Um, so it's really only limited by the site uh, that, that we're at. 
Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, we, we don't do, uh, we do some follow-up correspondence with all of our students after every class to give us some feedback. Um, but that's not, we don't get that uh, knee deep in the woods with it to say, hey, did you, you know, decide that this isn't for you type thing, so. Yeah. So G-Man, what was your experience with your daughter taking the class? Uh, she was very impressed with it. And uh, that's as far as I'll go with that for now. I don't want to incriminate her for any, anything no, like no. that. But but uh, she uh, really, really enjoyed it to the point where she told her boss about it and her cohort, and they both want to take the class when they have 10 minutes to be able to do it. So she, you may be seeing her again with two other people uh, when they when they take the class. Her boss said, I've always wanted to do a concealed weapon course. And they work in an area that is sketchy, uh, to say the least. Mm. And I think she would just, I, I'm not certain, you know, like you say, you know, who really knows if you pull a gun out and point it at somebody, are you going to shoot them? You know, you're going to pull it out and point it and hope they run, you know, and you don't have to shoot them. I, I'm not so sure she could do that. And as you probably know, there's been instances where that, that's turned out very bad for the person with the gun that they pull out. Yeah. Where they take it away from them. And I, I mean, I'm just, I'm assuming that, you know, if they know you're not going to shoot them, uh, you know, it, it could just get ugly. But anyway, she she did really, really enjoy it immensely and uh eventually she will get a gun which is my next question can you buy a gun with cash and not be on some register or something so that i heard that if you pay with a credit card or a check they can check you out or something with cash they can't yeah so that again depends on where you live and what the laws are for where you live um so uh, i would say so that, that unfortunately, that's, that's that's a broad question. Um, I, I would say that cash or credit card doesn't really matter. Um, at some point in time, if that firearm gets registered, uh, and it depends. Are you buying it from a gun shop? Are you buying it from a person? What state do you live in? Because some states, some states, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops. Um, some places, some states, you don't. Um, so it really depends. Uh, and we're big advocates of telling people, hey. You got to know the neck of the woods that you're living. You got to be able to know the gun laws in, in your neck of the woods. So, kind of, kind of a broad question. I wish I had a better answer for you uh, there, Mo, but I, unfortunately, I don't. So, like you said, you got you got to know where you're at, what the laws are. And but I, I can tell you this: if you walk into any guns self-respecting gun shop in the United States and you know put cash on the counter, they're gonna take it. So, right? So, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you have a problem with that. I did want to back up for just a sec to piggyback up yeah. what G-Man said real quick um, is the training aspect. Because this is what, man, you want something that kind of gets under my skin a little bit. This is what I tell people. Before you go out someplace and take a class from somebody, you know, do your research on them. Because, you know, we live in the day and age now where, you know, anybody with a phone is all of a sudden can be you know super tactical ninja guy right and can you know put out cool TikTok videos and all this kind of garbage uh but have no substance behind their training so please 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 if you take one one thing away from you know this this half hour 45 minutes we're talking today do your research and i'm not even saying that you're 
your the, the person that you're going to or the company you're going to because uh, I'll be honest with you some of the best firearms instructors that I've ever trained with have been civilians they weren't cops they weren't military guys all right they were just straight up civilians but they were phenomenal instructors so you take away uh, from them you know those skill sets and stuff like that now obviously if you have someone that has a military background or a law enforcement background maybe they have a little bit of uh, you know more uh, substance behind firsthand experience so to speak uh, but I mean, you could have been in the army and been a cook. That doesn't mean that, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> or you, you could, you could have been a cop and, and sat at a desk all day long. So, um, like I said, Google's your friend, you know, do, uh, professional organizations. Cause, uh, we've run across t time and time again. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, uh, there, there's all kinds of uh, repair guys out there and construction guys out there that they make their job off of fixing other guys' mistakes, right? Um, mm, it's the same yeah. thing in the training industry, right? So with, I've, we've had a lot of people that have come through that they've already they already have their concealed weapons permit, um, and they've been trained, they've been through a class, and they don't know anything. They can't do do the basics, right? And it's because they went to somebody that um, went through one weekend course and all of a sudden now they're a quote unquote firearms instructor, right? A weekend course doesn't make you a firearms instructor. You might have a piece of paper that says that you're certified by your town or this city or this state or whatever to teach a class. That doesn't make you an instructor. So if you take one thing away from this conversation, do your research. Google, check out their professional profile. You know, do they have do they have a LinkedIn account? Like all this type of stuff uh, to make sure that that you properly vet the people because yeah, we're not teaching pickleball, right? We're, this is the mm -hmm. stuff that they're they're talking about. I mean, any any instructor worth their weight should have a really sound grasp of 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 deadly force and when you can and cannot use deadly force and things like that. And if they don't have that and they can't answer those questions. Don't walk, you run, you know, in the other direction, you know, that's, that, that's my two cents with that. <laughs> okay. Wow. That's super interesting. What about if you pick us, if you took a, uh, a course from yourself or someone else in say Indiana, and then you were traveling to your summer home in Missouri and the Ozarks or something like that. And I guess first, what are the laws of crossing state lines and then if for some reason you had to use it in Missouri where the laws are different than the state where you took it, do you have to get familiar with the laws of every state you visit? That, if you're, that work? Yeah, 100%. You're spot on. you got to be familiar with where you're going. It's called, uh, the term we use is reciprocity. Uh, so, and we, and, uh, we've done a bunch of classes in Indiana. Uh, Indiana is a, a, a very firearm-friendly state. Um, they have a bunch of really cool ranges uh, up there. But um, uh, what I would say is you, you have to know where you're going, especially if you're traveling or just if you're going on the family vacation, because there there's some states that you're going to be able to have your firearm on, on your person and in your vehicle and stuff like that. And you're fine. And all of a sudden you cross this you know imaginary line, you're in a different state and they have completely different firearms laws um uh for 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 you to uh to abide by so yeah we tell people if you if you travel if you travel for work if you're on vacation all this kind of stuff and you go you know you're going through multiple states uh you know j j again just put in u.s firearms law of reciprocity like i said that's the term you can go to some of the uh uh the big wig uh, uh firearm insurance type like like you uh u.s law shield or uh, uscca which is the u.s concealed carry association the nra um that and they'll they'll have maps and, and things like that but you, you got to know where you're going so 
So if you get if you get while you're traveling, I got to get this one in. Yeah. While you're traveling, uh, and you get pulled over for say like speeding. Sure. Um, and you have a gun, and it's you know it's safely locked in a case in the back. Are you responsible to tell the officer that you have a gun? Yeah. So we'll, we'll preempt this all with none of what, anything we're talking about is legal advice, right? So these are just yeah. uh, okay, sure. three three guys here shooting shooting the poop, so to speak. Um, and again, you're not going to like the answer to this. It's going to be depend on where you're at. All right. Um, so I would say the safest bet for you, regardless of where you are at, um, if you are the subject of a contact, that means that you got stopped for speeding or you were in an accident or whatever the case may be, um, that the, the first words out of your mouth, if you have a firearm on your person or readily accessible to you in your vehicle or something like that would be, you know, sir, ma'am. I have a firearm. Here's here's my concealed weapons permit, or and and again, this is why we can't talk in generalities because you might live in a a, a state like uh, I think it's Rhode Island or I think it's Rhode Island where they have constitutional carry, right? Where you don't need a license, right? But if you go from Rhode Island to Delaware, then you know that that changes. So you probably shouldn't even have your firearm if you're traveling that way. And I know hmm. a bunch of places around us down here uh, that are you know more gun friendly states in our neck of the woods. Um, are, are the same way. So it's really dependent on where you're at. I, again, I know not a fantastic answer, but you, you can never go wrong by playing it safe and say, you know, officer, I, I have a firearm, in, you know, in, in the in the glove box or, you know, on my person. Here's my license for that right from the get-go. So there's no surprises. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, going back to the courses you teach how many levels do you teach and for the person who might be interested, what more would you learn in level two or three or advanced or whatever? Yeah. Like I said, we it, go ahead. Is it just, is it like special situations or is it different firearms or I guess just take it from there? Yeah. So it's not necessarily the platforms that are different. It's the skill sets that are different because you want everyone to have a strong fundam uh, fundamental grasp of the basics. Right. Um, and once you can show that you have that strong, a uh, fundamental grasp of the basics, then what we want to do is try to bump you up to, you know, uh, uh, increase the complexity of the decision making, because that's really what separates um, really uh, basic shooters from more advanced one is, is how how quickly can you respond and adapt to changes in your environment and, and pick up threat cues and and move and reload and and uh, fix a malfunction on your firearm and, and move to points of cover or change your angle or change your trajectory. So we, we kind of talk about like you're always building on layers. We're like building the cake, right? We want this this bottom layer to be really solid. And that's your your, your fundamental uh, things that go wrong with firearm training, like the, your, your marksmanship, your grip, your sight alignment, sight picture, your ability to, to draw, you know, from a holster or draw from concealment. Can you do all those things, you know, and it's, it's, you don't practice until you get it right. You practice until you can't get it wrong. That's kind of the mentality mm. with that stuff. Um, and once once you're at that level, um, then like I said, then we can add in some some more decision making, or we're going to add in some stress uh, stressors in there, whether they're cognitive stressors or physical stressors. We have, your goal at the end of the day, um, you know, should be always to have some aspect of your training replicate a real world decision making environment. 
Um, and that, that's our goal with our classes. And again, uh, for a more advanced class, um, that's not something, you know, we would never put somebody that's brand new in, in one of those classes uh, just because they're way too complex. They're, they'd be way too overstimulated. Um, they more than likely would do something that would be unsafe because they would be hurry or rushed or flustered or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, and, and we could do that regardless of what the platform is too. And that, that's the cool thing about yeah. having this, the, we, we have a very large staff and everyone kind of has their wheelhouse. Um, so if you're running a carbine platform, we can take that same formula that I just laid out for you, but instead of a handgun, it's an, it's a carbine. We can take that same platform and instead of being a handgun, it could be, uh, um, an 870 shotgun. Right. Hmm. So the, the platform is really is, is irrelevant um, as long as the, the person that teaches that course is a subject matter expert in that platform. Um, but like the, the skill set and, and the decision making and adding in those layers and adding in stressors. But you've got to have all the fundamentals first. So. So what would be if there is such thing as a typical person who would want or need that more advanced training? You were talking about some of the particulars. um I'm just interested in that. What 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 would that student look like, or what what yeah. comes with that type of training? I mean, well, who would be in need of something like that as opposed oh, to gotcha. just you know safe safe carrying and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I mean, someone who comes to one of our advanced classes, I'll be honest with you, they're either very very vested in their firearms journey, whether it be. Uh, the, their training aspect of equipment aspect that uh, we do we do work with some specialized units that come to us for private classes that aren't open to the public that we work with uh, because they're doing workups to go here or go there that type of thing uh, or they work for a certain agency so we, we've done that in the past before too as well but typically it's just like any it's any it's just like any new uh, I'll call it any new hobby right if you could you could pose that same question to somebody who's new to playing the guitar or new to yeah, um, yeah. mountain bike riding. Like, like, well, why, why did you go? Why did you trade that $500 mountain bike in for that $3,000 one? Well, because I like this shit and it's fun now, right? That type of thing. So, um, okay. and, and firearms is really no different, but you put that at, cause for some people, um, and we don't do this specifically. Uh, th there's some guys on our crew that do that, that do take part of it. Uh, but we don't, we don't teach competition shooting. We don't teach the IDPA run through a course, like as fast as you can shoot a bunch of targets, that type of thing. Right. That's more of the sport or competition aspect of firearms training. But there are some people that are really interested in that. And, and hmm. we're, 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 and we're just, Hey, I don't, we just want to promote safe firearms ownership, safe handling. I don't care if you hunt. I don't care if you do competition IDP, IDPA. I don't care if you want to conceal carry and come through what we call more practical, real, realistic self-defense style type of firearms training. Um, we're, we're just here to promote Obviously, you know, every anybody who who should you know have access to these tools to be able to do it and then like, you know, get training for it, be safe with it, um, be competent in it um, and then be able to have that skill set as well. So it, it's really no different. You know, someone who comes with one of our chances are somebody that comes to one of our advanced classes. All right. They, they've already trained with us probably a, a half a dozen times, to be honest with you. 
mm-hmm. we have we have people and uh, we have people that come. Uh, we have a beginner level class for it's like you already have your concealed weapons permit. So it's like what's what's our next step? We have people that come to that class every single year, the same same class, same people. Hmm. It's just because they just want to make sure to keep up on that skill set because we they want to build on the fundamentals because, uh, you know, you can go out to the range by yourself, G-Man, or I can go by myself and I can do the drills. And it's just like anything else, right? If, if I'm going to put push myself through a, a, a drill and stuff like that, I'm probably going to start to veer towards the stuff that I'm good at and that I like. Um, it's just like working out, right? You usually pick the stuff that you like to do, and then you you kind of ignore the stuff that you don't like to do. Um, and firearms training is no different. So that's why it's, it's you know it behooves people to come to an instructor and go through a class. So like when someone comes to that class, they get no say in what drills they're going to do. I tell them what drills are going to do, or one of our guys is going to tell them that type of thing. So um, like I said, we, we have... Uh, it happens every year. We'll we'll get the same group of people that that they've done our introductory course probably ten times, and it, you know, and it, it changes a little bit. We try to you know, freshen up everything, you know, put a little a new drill here or, or something different. But at the end of the day, they just want those basics, and, and that's fantastic. So, if I went to the range that you trained me on, could I go there by myself and shoot? Uh, yes, you could now that's a private that's a private range so you'd have to buy a membership but you okay. but if you bought a membership to that range you could yep absolutely okay how, how many people work with you when you uh when you do a particular uh level of gun training you know first level second level yeah third good level yeah good question it depends on the site that we're at and how many students all right so our our, our, our rule of thumb um and this kind of differs depending on the level of the class and stuff like that. But we, uh, we, we never go higher than one to five at the student to instructor ratio. So if we got a course with, with 20 people in it, we've got four instructors there minimum. Um, and, and we'll usually default and always have an extra because we'll, you know, having somebody else kind of like standing back, making sure everything's uh, copacetic with everything. So. Uh, but that, that, that's typically the ratio that we go with. Um, if it's a more advanced class, again, we'll stack it with a, a few extra people just because we know uh, it's going to be more dynamic. So there's going to be more potential for uh, uh, movement and more potential for potential injury and things like that. So we want to make sure that we've, we've got that facilitated properly. And about how many people do you teach in a course of a year? Oh, in a course of a year, I think I go back to last year. Uh, we were at about 370, 370, 370, 380 or so last year. So, okay. Yeah. So one a day, basically. Yeah. Well, uh, and obviously, you know, we're, yeah, we're on an average, you know, we're running a group here, a group here, that type of thing. So yeah, we're, we were just under 400, I think for last year, which actually that, and it, it's, 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 it ebbs and flows to be honest with you. Like I said, we've been doing this yeah. for a little while now, um, where that, that was, that's, that was lower than the, the couple years after that. So like those first year and a year and a half coming out of COVID when everyone was locked up, you know, that number was not, it was pretty much double that. So, um, wow. uh, it kind of dropped off a, a little bit last year cause people started to do, started to do more things and started to open up and the, the sky wasn't falling anymore and, and, and that type of thing. So, um, yeah. it dropped off just a little bit last year, but, um, some of the other, uh, avenues or, or parts of the organization were, were, were busy too. So, so how did you get the idea to start doing this and, 
and I don't know if we want to talk about your career before this, but how did you come to decide to do it? And yeah, no, it just, you know, kind of like we talked about at the start there is, you know, um, you know, having, I was in law enforcement for about a decade and, um, and, and it came down to, you know, working in that environment and you see what we call that constant exposure to human suffering and you see people, uh, day in and day out, because when you when you roll up on those calls, so to speak, nobody calls the police when they're having a good day, right? So you're <laughs> so you're seeing the you're seeing the worst of the worst. You're you're every once in a while, you know, you 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 get you know you run across something that is inspiring or something like that. But for the most part, you're always dealing with someone on their worst day. Um, and and the, the you know the trainer in me just kind of it kind of it just clicked is like, you know, why why don't some of these people have access to the ability to have these skill sets, right? Uh, hmm. Because I looked, I looked around, like I said, uh, with the people that I was working with or people that, that, you know, with military background and things like that, where they had these skill sets. So they had an advantage over a lot of people. But that was the whole, the whole concept behind it was, well, how come everybody doesn't have that? Because it's, it's out there, right? It's out there, but sometimes people just don't, they don't trust it or they don't know what they can do or, you know, what they can't do and things like that. So that was kind of like the springboard for everything is like, hey, let, let's, let's get let's get the best of the best of people that that are involved in this type of training in our neck of the woods uh let's put a team together and let's just blitz us out here and say hey this is what we're here for um and it doesn't matter if you're um a retiree it doesn't matter if you're a soccer mom i don't care if you're you know a college student i don't care if you're you know know, construction Hmm. worker lawyer everybody it's like a it's a it's a fundamental right for people to have the ability to keep themselves and their loved ones safe. And that's truly that's truly where it came from. Wow. That's very cool. G man. Being that it's the second amendment in the constitution, uh why is it that states have different laws for uh, you know, concealed carry? Uh why isn't it why isn't it a fifty state thing where you can you can at least carry it in the back of your car locked up. Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question, right? I mean, that's why <laughs> that's why if we if I had the answer to that, I uh, no offense, I probably wouldn't be talking to you guys. All right, so I uh, well, you'd be wow. taking me out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, no, and, and that that's the frustrating part about it. And like I said, uh, down where we're at is is a f- pretty gun friendly state, right? So. Um, you know, and I know that from talking to different people around the country or that we mentioned right from the get go where, where we don't do a lot of work, East coast, West coast, Chicago coast, uh, because of their gun rights, they are so restrictive. And, and I, I don't have, I don't have an answer for that because like, like you mentioned, it's, 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 you know, it's not really down there in the amendments. It's the second one. So, um, why certain states have taken the stance that because if let's be honest all right because i know i know what direction we're headed here look at this look at the states and look at the cities that have the most restrictive gun laws right mm-hmm. and then look at the states that have the highest crime rate or highest murder rate you know to ratio and all that kind of stuff and they're one and the same okay uh that's not news to anybody that's not you know every everybody knows that and, you know, and we say it time and time again is that we, we don't need new gun laws. We need the, you know, regardless of where you're at, you don't need new gun laws. You need the ones that you currently have enforced. And if you look at those communities that they have restrictive gun laws, 
They have crazy high crime rate. It's more than likely because the gun laws that are on the books aren't being enforced there. Because for the most part, if you go across the country, unless there's something super extreme, the gun laws are pretty consistent, right? If you commit a, hmm. if you commit a, a felony crime and you have a firearm, you, you should go to prison, right? That should be a, a minimum mandatory thing. That's what we call those. If you commit a felony and you have a firearm, that's something you should go to prison for. And if you know we have jurisdictions where that's not happening, or you have to do that two times, three times, four times before you actually do some prison time, that that's what's broke, to be honest with you. So, um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm a huge advocate that if you, and this is where I do differ, uh, because I don't have a problem being you know slaughtering sacred cows or, or, or with people in the firearms industry. I do think that if you are going to carry a firearm on your person out and about in public, man, you gotta kind of know what you're doing. You should have to go through a cat. It shouldn't cost you money, right? You shouldn't have to pay this. You're the state that you live in a ton of money to be able to do what the Constitution says you can do. But man, I, I don't I don't want to get you know you know shot in the in, in the shoulder in McDonald's because you don't know how to draw your because you don't know how to holster your weapon or something like that, or you're being negligent with it. So I do think that there's yeah. some common ground in there. It, it's reasonableness, right? That, you know, we, we can, you can look that word up in the constitution all over the place. What's reasonable. And what's reasonable is to say, Hey, if you're going to carry this tool, that if you're negligent with it has the ability to severely injure or kill someone, how about you take a little bit of training with it? Or how about, yeah, I'm not saying that you have to like spend weeks or all I, I'm saying be, be somewhat competent in the, in the use of it. So that's just my two cents. And that's where I do differ for some of the people in the firearms industry. And, and we're good. That's just one of those conversations we have with just agree to disagree. So, yeah. What do you, what are your theories on the disconnect between, as you were saying, and, and as probably everyone listening knows, the high crime areas, the high crime states that have the most restrictive gun laws. What do you think the disconnect is that people just don't see that, they look at the other states, the other cities that have lower gun violence and and maybe less restrictive gun laws, or I don't know, maybe not less restrictive, but more people that carry. And they just don't understand that less guns, quote, doesn't mean less crime. Yeah, I think if you, and this is something, again, if I had the perfect answer to that, we, you know, we, we, we'd be in a different spot. But um, I think, you know, historically, if you look at look at the cities that have the most restrictive gun laws. And, you know, again, you can turn on any news media outlet and they're going to put their spin on it one way or another. And the answer in those cities is always more laws is better, more more restrictions is better. Um, and what they end up doing more than times than not is making it harder for responsible, good, upstanding citizens who want to protect their families, protect their loved ones, and inhibits them from, from carrying a firearm in more ca most cases more than that, right? Where and mm -hmm. we learned this very quick, right? Is the criminals don't care. You can have all the laws you want; they don't care. They don't because they don't abide by them. So, so you know, if you if you look at those cities where they're historically, you know, if you, you want to you want to call them historically blue cities or or whatnot, um, where they have these super restrictive. Uh, so God, I just read the other day where uh, New Jersey is it? New Jersey, like they did a magazine restriction now in the state of New Jersey, and. And not only so you can't you can't carry more than ten rounds in a firearm in the state of New Jersey, um, and that also includes uh, off-duty police officers, right? Mm. So your 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 sworn police officers that 
while they're working can carry whatever they want when they're off duty they they can't do that so um but 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 like i said you know the bad guys they don't care about what what the laws are all you're all we're doing is preventing you know good folks from being able to take advantage of this tool um and you can pretty much you know just you can go on a map folks we all can circle those cities with yeah. the most restrictive laws look up their crime stats per capita those are always going to be the highest crime rates um because there, there's no deterrent right there's no deterrent from the criminal on the street is not deterred because they know the average citizen doesn't have a firearm right so there's no deterrent with that and they're not deterred by the any of the sentencing guidelines in any of those jurisdictions because they know that either their, their prisons are overcrowded or you have to commit the same kind three or four times before you, it's really going to take any uh, hold or anything like that. So it's unfortunate. It's, it's just amazing that voters don't understand that or I just at a total loss to understand why it just never changes. Like Chicago never seems to change New York other than when Giuliani was there. And then I don't know if people thought it was too good to be true and we've got to go back to the old ways or what? Yeah, uh, agreed. And I don't, you bring, you bring up Giuliani there and you know, look, go, if you, and this was a cool thing, go ahead and Google the crime rates from when he was in office to right now and see what, and compare them. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. And folks, seriously, it's, it, <laughs> no, it's, it's mind boggling. It is mind boggling when they took away it is. Um, some of their, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the phrase right now, but basically being able to just go down there and, and, and pat people down and, you know, go into some of these problem areas and do proactive type enforcement, stop and frisk. There we go. So right, uh, right. once they basically NYPD came out and, and outlawed stop and frisk, then, you know, then all these, the, the bad elements knew, right? They knew that they're not going to get stopped. So there's, there's no harm in me carrying that, that illegal firearm. So. Ted Nugent said something, uh, I believe, right after they got rid of the stop and search thing in New York. And I'll never forget this. He said, if there's a six foot two white rock and roll looking hippie out on the streets with a gun getting ready to shoot people, I want them to search me first <laughs> so that they'll know I don't have a gun and they won't shoot me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I, you, you touched on it earlier. I, I you know, why don't voters? Uh, I, I think there's so many, so much other things on other people's minds nowadays uh, that I think if you were to take a poll and list off 20 things, uh, what's the most important thing that changes or influences you or sways you when you're voting? Uh, depending on where you're at, but I would say I'd be willing to bet the majority of the places, you know, firearms ownership. Would, would, I'd be surprised if it was in the top 10, to be honest with you. Uh, hmm. unless you, unless you're one of these, like down, you know, here, one of these states where it's like, Hey, you're, you know, you're, you're born with a gun in your hand, that type of thing outside of that. I'd be surprised if it's in the top 10, to be honest. So that's why cities like you had mentioned earlier, keep festering kind of the way they do. So I saw on the news yesterday that, uh, there was squatters and I can't remember where it was. It was some, uh, immigrant type section of a town and 1200 homes were infested with squatters that came in when i don't know how they did it uh but people came in and started squatting in these homes my question and maybe you don't know the answer to this my question is i go on vacation 
and I come back home and there's illegal aliens in my house, uh, how many minutes do I get to give them <laughs> before I shoot them? Oh, that, that's a loaded question. And what I'll tell you is that... And what I'll say is your, your, your potential response to that couldn't be more wrong. Okay. And, and here's why. Here's why. Let me tell you why. Okay. Let me tell you why. Then we'll laugh about All right. it. I won't. You have to understand that the moment you pull the trigger on a firearm, your life changes forever. Okay. And again, okay. just like we tell people is that you you shouldn't carry that tool if you haven't had that talk to you about yourself, if you could do it and all that kind of stuff. You, you also shouldn't carry that tool if you don't know what the definition of deadly force is. And if I'm coming, and I'll just, I'm going to run right with your scenario. All right. I'm on vacation and I come home and there's immigrant squatters in my house. I'm not going in and I'm calling 911 because at that, right then and there, what's the, uh, we, we, the term we use, what's the immediacy of the threat, right? And I'm not saying that they're not there and what they're, what they're doing is wrong or that you as a person don't have the right to go into your own home. You 100% have the right to do all that and you can do that. But I, when I'm weighing the pros and cons of that, when, I, when I'm weighing the pros and cons of, all right, I get involved in this incident and somewhere something goes sideways and next thing you know, I'm paying six figures in lawyer fees and someone's uh, suing me and taking my business and I'm on every major news network for the next six months like that poor, that the Marine in New York City who was on the subway oh, with gosh. the guy, right? All right. Uh, yeah. that, that's the guy I keep thinking about. And when we start talking about, you know, in, intervening and things like that, and his is a way different thing. Right. He, 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 that guy on the subway can very easily argue the immediacy of a threat, threatening other bystanders, um, all that kind of stuff. He, that, that guy had threatened to kill people, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, the, the scenario that you're laying out there, where, where's my threat? You know? And what I'm going to say is that I'm going to live to fight another day. I'm not even going to go in my house. I'm going to call the police. And now, now if they come out of their house, come out of the house, and they come to me, and they're they fit the 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 the, the definition of what's a deadly force threat to me. That's different. That's a different thing. All right. It's different than if we flip that scenario around. That, that scenario is different. If I'm in my house sleeping, and a bunch of squatters break into my house. Okay, mm -hmm. that's different. Okay. Then it's, okay, why are you here? What's their intention? Is it reasonable for me to think that they are breaking in my house to do me or my loved one's harm? That's a completely different scenario. Does that make sense? You just shamed me. <laughs> the point, <laughs> no, no. The point's never to shame, brother. The, po the, point, the point is to educate, right? And, and exactly. To, and, and it would be no different than, you know, if I was talking to someone who is a, you know, rock star guitar player, and say, well, you know, why can't I, you know, shred like this tune or play this riff or whatever the case may be? And he's going to be telling, he's going to tell me or she's going to tell me, look at the basics. You know, let's start from the beginning. What's, what's, what's the basics? And, and this is the same thing. But like I said, make sure that we know that that scenario is completely different if you flip that around and you're sleeping in your bed, right? And someone breaks into your house and, and things like that. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. What, what? And I want you to know, everybody out there that's listening, that I would not shoot them <laughs> in the first 10 minutes. Okay. I, would ha I would have them leave promptly, though. And uh, I would be very sad if I had to. Okay. What are your Just thoughts? kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> okay, part two. Joe, what are your thoughts on 
with all the horrendous school shootings and, I mean, you could fill in the blank, about having teachers and or some sort of security and have a big sign outside that says, we've got three people that are licensed to carry and blah, blah, blah. What is your kind of thoughts on that? So a couple of different prong, and, and, and we work in that industry on a regular basis. Um, and here's what I'll tell you. Uh, teachers don't, uh, I, I can't, I don't want to be an umbrella. 99% of the teachers out there don't want to carry a firearm. Okay. Okay. Because that's their, their goal is to educate. They didn't get into the profession for that reason and, and things like that. Every once in a while you come across somebody that said, yep, right here, I will do that. Cool. Um, and uh, I'm all for arming them. Um, the, the signage that's irrelevant. Uh, that, that's not something if, if, if I'm committed, if I'm committed to do a heinous act, your sign's not going to stop me. It's not going to deter me. Now, the presence of armed security, that's a different thing uh, because mm -hmm. you'll even see, because you can go back to, let's go back, all right? Let's go back to April 1999, okay? What happened on April 20th of 1999? Columbine. Columbine, right? Yep. So what a lot of people don't know about Columbine is there was an armed school resource officer. There was a cop in Columbine High School when that happened. He actually exchanged shots with the with uh, Dylan uh, Dylan Harris and Eric Klebo right when they came into the school, and because he was outgunned, he kind of moved back into an, a more secure area. He went to the office where he uh, was able to watch the monitors and kind of call out where they were at. Right. Mm -hmm. So we know that just having a school resource officer does not necessarily deter, because there's there's a perfect example right there at Columbine. Um, if we, if we want to go that far back, um, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but if, to, but it's say, if you were to have a whole security team where if you had multiple people, uh, now, now, you know, now strengthen numbers, that analogy, it's, it's response times are quicker, that analogy. Um, but if you look at the history of school shootings and how they're portrayed in the media, there's always two things. Uh, and you could say this for not just school shootings, uh, active shooters at, at businesses. You can say, uh, to some extent, uh, places of worship, right? There's always two themes that come up in the media. And what are those two themes? Uh, gee, man, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> he's punting. He, he's punting. What two, th yeah. it, what two things always come up in the media when we talk about an active shooter at a place, a place of worship, a school, a business, Two things about the shooter always come up. What are they? He shouldn't be carrying. I don't know. Hmm. So, I, 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 so I, the, I'll give it to all you. Right. All right. I'll give it to you. All right. One is that the, the shooter had some type of mental health history. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and okay. two, it's something about the firearm, whether if it was a high capacity firearm, whether, you know, and we'll call it a, an assault rifle or it had a, uh, the, and this is what drives me. It had a clip, you know, uh, a clip, yeah. clip with thirty bullets in it. You know, all these different things. And if you go back, because you're asking about schools, go. If you go back and you can research every single school shooting, and in every one of those, the accused or the suspect in that shooting had on record some type of mental health history. They were on some type of prescription for you know psychiatric care or, or something like that. All right. So again, what's the what what where does the firearm come? The firearm is the tool, mm -hmm. right? 
we're not we're not addressing the problem. The problem is is why 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 the the problem is why does a thirteen year old kid, you know, feel the need to take a put a gun in his backpack and go to school? That's what we have, that's right. what we, what's happening to that kid, it, whether if it's in his home life or is he being bullied or whatever the case may be, right? That's the fundamental underlying problem. It's not the tool, right? And, and but the tool always gets the 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 you know. It gets yeah. highlighted, right? It gets the notoriety, all right? So then what, what is there? There's an knee-jerk reaction. All right, well, now we're going to get cut tough on guns. Now we're going to ban this. Now we're going to put a bill forward for that, right? Not doing anything about the underlying cause, which is... And why do you... Do you think that's because they don't want to, quote, stigmatize people and make them feel bad no, instead of giving I, them the help they need? No, I, 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 to be honest with you, no. I think it's because... It's so prevalent that people are afraid how prevalent it is. Mm. Because you can look, you you yeah, can you can is. look after like uh, like Sandy Hook, right? Sandy Hook, and they and it just came out recently where they now you can they successfully sue the manufacturer, you know, for a firearm and things like that. Um, but that that's you know because cause they're an easy target, you know, even though there there's these big corporations, uh, Colt. Or Remington or Glock, you know, these are you can go after this one entity, right? You know, how insurmountable is to say that, you know, two thirds of every high schooler in the whole country has some type of mental health problem. Yeah, that's a bigger that's a bigger thing uh, to, to that's a bigger bite to chew off, right? Um, and do they have the resources to deal with it? Do they have the facilities? Do they have the counselors? I mean, when you talk about you know having the proper resources. Most of these schools have a hard time enough time just getting teachers to come, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to say, "Hey, two thirds," and, and you know, and I'm I'm using that number loosely, but if we were to say, if you're to identify two thirds of your school has some type of mental health problem where they need extra treatment, extra counseling, extra you know, and throw in all these things, that's you you just built yourself a big huge mountain that now you can't deny. Which so. they never do, right? Wow. So, so uh, unfortunately, based on that, which is seems to make 100% common sense, or I can follow the reasoning, but unfortunately, that begs the question, because we know that more restrictive gun law- laws aren't the answer, is it going to take some really cataclysmic event to uh, turn on the lights in people's minds and say, yeah, we need to crack down on mental health, or... Do we just live with it? Yeah, I don't know if I've got a great answer for that. Um, here's my theory, though, is why it is kind of where it is to, to some extent, right? And um, and again, I argue, with, I argue this with people all day long. It used to be, um, if, if you grew up in the, the 70s or the 80s or the 90s and you were in school, all right? Because let's be honest, has bullying always gone on in school? It's always gone on in schools, nope. right? Always happened. You always had yeah. that one guy that was a jerk. You always had that clique that was the cool people, and these cliques were whatever people, whatever. It's always happened, right? But what happened was, you know, if you, if you grew up in those decades, is that you got to come home, and you got to get away from all that, right? Mm-hmm. You got to interact with your family. You got to play outside, be with your neighbors, go do, do a practice, go play a sport, go do whatever, right? 
So you had the ability, and then guess what? Then then you gotta you know you get on the bus and you're back in bully land again tomorrow, right? But you got that break from it. These kids nowadays they don't have that break because it's all on social media. It's it's TikTok, it's Snapchat. So that bullying that's happening to them in school all day long is now with them when they're at home all day long as well, and they never get that break. They never get that ability to have that long weekend. All right, we. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of states just had a, a long weekend this past weekend for President's Day, right? So they had a three day weekend, a four day weekend. If you're a kid today, if you're a 13 year old kid today, and you're getting bullied in school, you just got bullied for four straight days on TikTok and, and Instagram and Snapchat, right? So these kids nowadays they never have the opportunity to get away from it, and all it does is, is you know amplify things. So that that that's really the key. I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. It's uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. Um, I don't have kids, but if I did have kids, their their screen time would be very very limited. They wouldn't be having yeah. a phone like all this type of stuff. I know it's easy for me to say because I don't have kids, but I I see some coworkers and and people that I know and neighbors and stuff, and they're you know they're seven eight years old and they're running around with an iPhone with you know on on these social media platforms. And I just, it just app, it blows my mind because I know how much an iPhone costs first and foremost, but it blows my mind that, you know, it's just that constant exposure to, I mean, and I'm not even getting into the physiological component of, yeah. you know, blue light and exposure. And these, all these kids are going to be blind and deaf by the time they're 40 and all that kind of nonsense. I'm talking about just the constant exposure to that, that bully. That bully always being able to reach it's 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 like that virtual bully just being able to reach out and touch you any time they want. Go, you know, let's look at look at suicide rates for for teenage girls right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, they're higher than they've ever been, and they have, and you have more access now to care, to treatment, to counseling. You have more access to any of that stuff right now than any time in our country's history. So why is the suicide rate for teenage girls the highest it's ever been? And it's so ironic that it's as simple and yet as hard for A, a parent to take away a phone or B, the kid to put the phone, you know, somewhere where she's not going to see it all weekend. Maybe just on the off chance that if she does use it, she'll get a few likes on her sure. latest post or something sure. and that'll make up for sure. all the other stuff. Absolutely. But why Why they can't see that or they can't teach it or it's it is really kind of scary absolutely i got a quick question for you and it's not really quick but i'm going to ask anyway sure um you you are connected with the uh police force probably all the way through the u.s in one way or another do you know what happened in was it valdi texas vivaldi Uvalde. yeah Vivaldi. yes yes um I am, how do I phrase this? Intimately aware of a lot of things that happen in Uvalde. And unfortunately, I can't be more specific than that because some of that stuff is still ongoing. I, I wish I could expand on that, but, but there, there's some work being done and, uh, yeah, we're we're involved in that to some extent, so I just I can't comment on that right now. But I'm very very clear about the incident. Very have like I said intimate knowledge of it, specific details, even some details probably that the general public's not been made aware of yet that will come out someday. But um, at the at the end of the day, what we 
what we want to do, uh, you know, because I, I did told you that, that some of the, sometimes people we have, we've had law enforcement agencies come to us for training uh, because maybe they're not big enough to train their own people. So they come to us. We've worked with specialized. We've worked with units in the military doing workups right before they get deployed. Um, so what, what we what we want to make sure is that when people that go into harm's way for, you know, for a living. Right. We want to empower those people to be able to to make decisions, plain and simple. Um, and, and you can go look into any leadership book um, and I can rattle off a, a bunch of them here for you. But what I would rather have somebody make a decision on the spot and decide to act and have that not have that decision, maybe not be the best one. All right. Uh, then, then have someone wait 15 minutes and, and make a better one, if that makes sense. Um, when we're yeah. when we're working with folks, a lot of times we we want folks to have a bias towards action, all right. Um, and 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 Uvalde's kind of a, a potentially a, a, an example of that. And like I said, unfortunately, just because of some stuff that's ongoing with that, that's all I can talk about. So, do you think in a year or two years or five years? Everyone is going to know what you know now. About uh, that situation. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah, I think that, that okay. eventually that will all come out. Uh, there, there, and it's just not like one thing. There, there was a a, yeah. a multitude of, of factors that led to that, uh, and, and not all from the law enforcement side too. I, I will mm-hmm. I'll reiterate that 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 some of the breakdown and some of the things that happened there. Um, but was, was not, you know, obviously there was a huge law enforcement enforcement presence there. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, there, there were, there were multiple, multiple breakdowns and how we, uh, react and respond to one of those type of incidents. Wow. Well, maybe when, uh, when that comes out, we'll have you back for some <laughs> absolutely, additional yeah. insights. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Wow. Well, we appreciate you spending so much time with us and uh, sharing your expertise on on a topic that is important and yet you really do have to take seriously and so not as full of humor as some of our right angles, but probably one of the more important topics we've covered. So yeah, well, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. My pleasure. I, I appreciated talking with you guys. And yes, every once in a while you have to have, a, I guess, a serious episode, right? We'll throw, throw this one That's in there. Right. But uh yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, uh, look forward to chat with you guys again soon. All right. And you will do so because it was also informative. So Yeah, super. Uh, yeah, it was all good. We really appreciate it. Good. Well, thanks again to Joe. Thanks for G-Man for mining the diamonds in the rough. And uh, we try to do it each and every week for you on the right angle.